All right, everybody, welcome back to the Talking Redbird podcast. My name is Lucas Van Pelt. It has been a little bit longer of a period of time between episodes than I would have liked. Just some obviously personal things came up and we had a busy weekend, so I apologize for that. But I wanted to at least get an episode out before the Brewer series and before the, the, the weekend slate of games coming up. So, and we've reached officially five games since my last episode to talk about. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a full episode. So the Cardinals had, let's just say a rough, um, a rough last five games. And overall the national series and the pirate series, our last seven games, we went four and three in those games, which you know, the Nats and the Pirates are not that good. I think most people were hoping the Cardinals would have a little bit better of a record against that. But, you know, anybody that watched those seven games, you know, how the hell we were able to win more than we lost the last seven games is, you know, I will take that. Um, we did not play very good. Our offense has been timely enough to win us a couple games. Shout out Albert Pujols. Um but other than that, not a whole lot has gone right. I mean, Flaherty's second start didn't go that didn't go that good. Quintana and Montgomery both pitched okay. Wainwright's still not throwing very good. Um, all of a sudden, Hicks, Gallegos, Woodford are all allowing tons of runs. A um, uh, lot of talk about today. Obviously, I'm going to get into more depth with with all of that. So. Um, just a couple podcast updates. I'm I'm currently in the works to start uploading on Apple. Um, it's not going to be done for a little bit again because I have a full time job this coming weekend. I'm actually going away for the weekend for my for my sister's fiance's bachelor party. So it really limits my free time. But I promise, uploading up. Uh, I'm sorry, uploading on Apple is going to be on the horizon. I'm going to add a little you know intro music. I'm going to make it a little better. I'm actually looking at buying a new microphone, maybe some editing software to, you know, I have, um, I have more listeners than I thought. So I think maybe stepping up my game a little bit is, is definitely something that I'm going to try to do soon. May not be for a while, but just so you guys are aware, I'm definitely working on all of those things. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from, um, a lot of other people, my brother, you know, just how my podcasts flow, maybe certain things that I can add to the beginning and the end. And I'm trying to incorporate all those things, obviously, um, it's going to be a work in progress. So, so please keep sending me those things because obviously I'm trying to make it as best as I can for everybody, and so that everybody gets something out of it. And uh, so, yeah. So here, uh, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So, my last podcast was early last week. We had talked about up until the halfway point of the four game series with the Nationals. So, we're going to start with the third game of that series, which was last Wednesday. Jordan Montgomery started that game, and once again, he was phenomenal. So he went six innings. He only allowed three hits and two walks. Both of those are very respectable. Anytime that you're giving or you're allowing less hits and walks combined than innings pitches, or, my gosh, innings pitched, that's a great start. So his was obviously three hits, two walks, and he threw six innings. So that's a great start. Gallegos came in, um, didn't do that well. He um, he only got allowed, or I'm sorry, he only got one out, and he allowed three runs. So that's never what you want, especially one of your top couple relievers to come in and do. Um, Jake Woodford had a scoreless inning, which again I talked about this last podcast. Jake Woodford, Zach Thompson, a couple of those guys that maybe aren't guaranteed 
spots on the playoff roster, but the more that they can keep putting up zeros, the better. Woodford had a good game in this game. Um, on Friday's game against the Pirates, unfortunately, he didn't do so good. But um, at least in this game, he had a scoreless outing. Our offense was once again terrible up until the ninth inning. Obviously, Wednesday's game was known for the walk-off. So, again, we're, we're timely enough to get to get things done. But, you know, I don't want to have to be relying on some clutch hits in the ninth inning every single game, which is, I mean, of the five games I'm going to talk about, we were behind in three of them. And we were all, actually all three wins. You know, we were we were trailing at one point. We were able to come back and win, which I'm not trying to be super negative. On one hand, that's the sign of a resilient, good team is when, you know, you're you're never out of it. You're able to come back. But we should never be putting ourselves in this opportunity or we should never be putting ourselves in this um, scenario against the Nationals and the Pirates. Now, if we were facing the Mets and the Dodgers and we came back to win a couple games and we, we you know we didn't look the best, sure, I'll let that slide. But – of all five games that I'm going to talk about, we were losing in all five of them. Now, again, we were able to come back and win three of them, but it's it's not how you want to look this close to the playoffs. So the ninth inning, again, in this Wednesday game, we walked off. Donovan led off the ninth inning with a with a single. Paul Goldschmidt was able to draw a walk. Nolan, Gold, uh, <laughs> Nolan Arenado was able to hit a ground rule double. Um, Corey Dickerson grounded out, but he did drive in a run. Tyler O'Neill walked. Yadier Molina was able to get a single in an RBI. And then obviously everybody remembers Tommy Edmond hit that walk-off double. Tommy two bags, right? He came through. Again, a win is a win. I'm not going to be too negative about that. The Nats are scrappy. You know, right before they played the Cardinals, they played the Mets. And the Mets are one of the few teams in the National League that are actually better than us. And the Nationals were able to take two of three from them. They they took two of three from the Braves earlier this year. You know, they're a bottom dweller in their division. But... They're scrappy, especially those bad teams in September. It's it's not really, you know, for a playoff contender, you want to play bad teams in September, right? Like, it just eases the mind a little bit. You're not constantly facing the best teams in September. But also, these teams that have nothing to lose, they're already out of playoff contention. They're trying to get or test as many players as they can before next season. Some Those teams are some, sometimes the most dangerous that you can face. So Nationals kind of proved that. Luckily, on Wednesday, we were able to come back and win. So then the next day was Thursday. It was a day game. Wainwright threw that game. Again, going into it, I think Jordan Montgomery on Wednesday, Adam Wainwright Thursday, you liked the Cardinals' advantage in the pitching matchup both games. But Wainwright was not good again. He only went five innings. He allowed uh, nine hits, four runs, only a couple strikeouts. You know, his his last two starts have looked identical, and neither one of them have been good. Um, the only bad part is we threw a couple relievers after that, and they were even worse. So, um, yeah, so that was a loss. It was just a bad game all around. It's one of those games, again, you just kind of forget about. You throw to the side. You, you know, move on to the next day. There was a couple positives in that game. Um, Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond were one and two in the lineup and they combined to get on base eight times. So you cannot ask for much more out of your top two guys in your lineup. The only problem is Goldschmidt and Arenado combined for uh, one for eight. They didn't really, they didn't have a good series for either any of these five games. I'm going to talk about Goldschmidt and Arenado didn't really do much, um, which it's, you know, we've been blessed all season. Again, Goldschmidt and Arenado are probably barring a, 
huge collapse in the next two weeks, going to probably finish one and two in the MVP voting in the, in the national league. So all this considered, they're obviously having great seasons, but you know, obviously we got, um, we got a little spoiled this year where we're used to them always coming through. And these five games that I'm going to talk about, they didn't really do much. So um, Thursday's game was a loss. So next we move on to Friday. It's game one against the pirates. Also a clunker of a game, you know, back-to-back losses. The Cardinals hadn't lost back-to-back loss or hadn't lost back-to-back games since before the all-star break in July. So I think everybody was expecting the Cardinals to come out on Friday, right the ship, blow the pirates out. And it's exactly the opposite of what happened. So Miles Michaelis um, threw for the Cardinals. He, he was okay. He wasn't great. He allowed four or five runs, you know, wasn't super effective. He, he didn't have a giant blow up inning, but not how you want your number two starter to look two, three weeks before the playoffs. And this is the game I was referencing earlier. Jake Woodford came in to hopefully, you know, get him a couple innings and he allowed four runs in one inning. He was just missing middle, middle over and over again. He was not hitting the spots. And again, you, you, you never want any of your, your, of your relievers to do that. So the Cardinals were able to only muster up six hits against the Pirates this game. And against the last place in our division, that is just un, um, unacceptable. And actually, I don't even know if the Pirates are in last place. The Reds maybe. in Either way, they're horrible. We should be getting more than six hits against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Friday's game, Thursday, Friday, back-to-back losses. So, again, going into Saturday, I think the Cardinals are like, okay, no, this is the game that we're going to write the ship. You know, Jack Flaherty's throwing. Uh, you know, we've hit the guy that the Pirates were throwing before. I think everybody thought the Saturday was the game that we were just going to blow them out. Once again, it didn't happen. Flaherty, no part of Flaherty's start looked great. You know, that's it's his second start coming off the, the injured list. He was able to get through five innings, but he allowed three runs. He he racked up almost a hundred pitches in five innings, which quick math on that is about twenty pitches an inning, and you and you really don't. That's not a consistent pace that you want your starters to keep. They're not going to be able to go deep into games doing that. He allowed four walks and didn't strike anybody out. He was just if you know anybody that watched that game, you're going to see he just consistently missed his spots. Yachty would set up on the outside black, and he would miss middle middle. And the Pirates again are kind of scrappy. They got some rookies that can hit some homers and. They showed that. So this is another game that Arenado and Goldschmidt combined to go one for nine. They didn't really do a whole lot. We were losing going into the ninth inning. And had it not been for Albert Pujols' 696th home run, we would have lost that game. So we had no business winning this game on Saturday. Again, I'm not trying to be negative, but no business winning it. But we did. At some point, you got to tip your cap. Good teams win. That's what we did. Uh, the story of uh, the story of the game was Albert Pujols. I mean, he mashed this ball down the left field line. He, um, yeah, every Cardinal fan went nuts. I watched the replay fifty times. It just, it's never going to get old watching him watching him hit home runs. Especially, you know, he's he's must see TV every time he every time he comes up to the plate. Now, I would say going forward, you know, we're facing the Brewers tomorrow and then Wednesday in a short two game set. Granted, we're up a significant amount of games on them. I would say if we lose both of those games and we shorten our lead in the division, I doubt they put Pujols out every single game. But if we win both games and we extend our lead in the division by two games to where it's close to double digits, there is just no feasible reason to not start Albert Pujols every single game. I mean, the money they're going to be making on uh, on ticket sales for him getting closer to 700 and the amount of people going to be watching over the TV is going to go up as well. So 
The Cardinals, again, they're not stupid. They're going to start pools every game, so expect to see him in the lineup going forward, especially with with Newt Bar kind of struggling. Goldie and Arenado kind of struggling. You know, we're going to talk about all that, you know, at the end, but um, expect to see pools every game. So those are quick four games. So far in the four games I talked about were two and two. We won Wednesday, lost Thursday and Friday, and then we won Saturday. We should have lost on Saturday. Overall, that was a bad game to watch. We just looked bad. We had no business winning it. Shout out Albert Pujols. That's all I got to say about that. So next is the last game we're going to talk about is Sunday. So this was two, uh, or this was yesterday's game against the Pirates. Jose Quintana was throwing against one of the Pirates' better pitchers, but you know even even one of the Pirates' better pitchers is still not that great. But he shoved it right back in my face, and he absolutely shoved yesterday. He went seven innings, didn't allow a single run, was carving us up. He he pitched very very well. Once again, our offense was abysmal. This game I'm not as concerned about because if you watch that game, Mitch Keller was the name of the Pirates starter. He, again, he shoved. He was hitting all the spots. He had his nasty breaking stuff going. He kept us on edge um, every at-bat. Arnado and Goldschmidt both had an off day. I think they were struggling a little bit. The front office and Marmol just decided to give them an extra day off since we have today off as well to give them give them two days off just to maybe rest a little bit. Um, turns out we kind of needed them because our offense was able to barely do anything. I mean, they, they, they shut us out for eight innings. So the Cardinals' offense has to get it going soon. You know, we only have a couple weeks before the playoffs start, and you know, we're only four or five games back of the Braves and the Mets for that number two series or the number two seed in the playoffs. And actually, this episode, I'm going to explain the expanded uh, expanded playoffs a little bit at the end. So we'll we'll touch on this again at the end. But you know, do we have the division kind of under wraps again, barring a two week absolute collapse? Yeah, I'm not as concerned about the division because the Brewers are not playing good baseball. Anything could happen. I guess I'm just not as concerned about it as of now. What I'm more concerned about is potentially, you know, the Braves and the Mets, they're going to beat up on each other the next couple of weeks. They, they play each other a couple more times. So if we can, if we can have a stellar last couple of weeks, really figure it out and play good baseball going into the playoffs, we can maybe sneak into that number two seed behind the Dodgers overall, which would then allow us to get a bye, which is huge in the new expanded playoff setting. So again, I'll talk about that later, but so we still have something to work for. You know, I, it, the last five games that I just talked about, the Cardinals looked very complacent every game. Our our bullpen was not good. Our offense was not good. How we were able to win three of these games, I, I simply don't understand. I'm happy, obviously, but we are going to be a first-round exit in the playoffs if this continues at this pace. So, so Sunday's game, again, Jose Quintana threw against Mitch Keller. Keller carved us up, but Quintana kind of matched him toe-for-toe. Toe. He, he, he was pretty good through five, six innings which this is the third podcast in a row that I've talked about how good Jose Quintana is. The, what we gave up for him was essentially nothing. You know, both players that we gave up weren't going to contribute much this year or even next. And he has, along with Jordan Montgomery, really helped us shore up the rotation and give us a couple reliable starters that I think every game you feel comfortable at least with the pitching matchup. You know, the only exception to that is going to be uh, this coming week when Corbin Burns for the Brewers throws, throws against us. We, there is no pitcher that we have that even comes close to him. So we're going to be outmatched in that one, at least on paper. 
we've hit him a couple times, but most of the time he absolutely carves us up. So not looking forward to that. The the main story of Sunday's game is again, once again, Albert Pujols carrying us. He hit number six hundred and ninety-seven. He torched it to center field, which that is just a sign that he's seeing the ball good. I mean, any any hitter in the major leagues can can get a hold of a ball and pull it down the left or right field line, depending on if they're uh, a right-handed batter or a left-handed batter. They can they can get into one every once in a while and pull it down the line where obviously they don't have to hit it as far. But when you're hitting it dead center field, especially a little bit to the opposite field, that just means that you're hitting the ball right on the barrel. You're seeing it. It's like a beach ball. And that's what Pujols looks like right now. He is simply carrying us. I mean, I, I put this on my Twitter account over the weekend. Pujols single-handedly winning us a series in September is never a sentence that I would ever think that I would say out loud again. But I'll be damned if he didn't. You know, we lost Friday's game. But if it wasn't for his home runs Saturday and Sunday, we would have got swept by the Pirates, which would have – so ooh, I don't even want to think about that. So so he was he was huge. He's only three homers away from 700. So like I said, he, expect to keep seeing him in the lineup over and over and over again. There's, there's just simply no reason not to. Obviously, he's going to need a day off because you – He's going to be a weapon against a left-handed pitcher in the playoffs. So he's going to need to be healthy for that. So I'm not saying, you know, overuse him by any means. But if he's not starting, at least put him in in the fifth or sixth inning to get him a couple at-bats at the end of the game. There's just a sim- simply no reason not to. Him approaching 700 is going to make them so much money. So Cardinals are not stupid. They're, they're obviously going to do that. So so coming up, like I said, we have an off day today. We have we face the Brewers the next two days, and then we have a weekend series against the Reds coming up. So the Brewers series, I think if you can at least split that, Cardinal fans will be happy. They actually haven't even announced a pitcher for, for tomorrow's game yet. The Brewers haven't. Um, Montgomery's throwing in that. But the fact that they haven't even announced a pitcher yet is odd. Now, obviously, Wednesday, Corbin Burns is going to be throwing against us. And, again, there's nobody on our team that's as good of a pitcher as he is. I mean, by even a long margin, too. So Wednesday is going to be a tough matchup. I think if we can maybe get a couple runs early on him, the Brewers' bullpen has been one of the worst in the league since the All-Star break when they when they traded their All-Star closer. I think that was a that was an odd move for them. It's kind of blown up in their face. At the time of the trade deadline at the end of July, they were two, three games up on the Cardinals. We were in second place. They traded their All-Star closer. They, I guess they thought it was going to be a good move because he's going to demand a lot of money for next year, and the Brewers are kind of a smaller market team. So they traded him away because, in theory, what they got back, you know, should replace the value that he provides. Not in one guy, but they got three solid bullpen guys that, I guess, in their mind, thought could fill the void of Hader, but it is, again, simply blown up in their face. And so their bullpen's been one of the worst in the league the last month and a half. So I think if we can get at least one to two runs on Corbin Burns on Wednesday, not, you know, pitch pretty well. I think Wainwright's throwing Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. So if he can hopefully turn it around, luckily it's at Bush Stadium. He team, he turn, ugh, he tends to throw a little bit better at Bush. So Wednesday will be, be a telling game. But if we can at least split that series, I think Cardinal fans will be happy. And then obviously this coming weekend against the Reds, you you know you expect to win two of three against that. So the pitching matchups for that haven't been released yet. So that'll be you know I'll just have to simply make an episode after that series. I know obviously you're going to have 
you're going to have Michaelis, Flaherty, and Quintana throw all three of those games, but who we're going to be facing has not been released yet either. So, so you got the Brewers and the Reds coming up, five divisional games. Again, I think uh, – oh, no, I'm sorry. It's actually six. So we play the Brewers Tuesday, Wednesday, Reds Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So six games coming up against the division opponents. If you can go four and two in those games, Cardinal fans will be very happy – Three and three or anything less, obviously, is going to be a disappointment. So we got to pick it back up. The point, I guess, overall point of this episode is our offense has looked horrible. You can't have six and seven hits a game against the Pirates. You just can't do that. You know, they're one of the worst teams in the league. So that needs to hopefully pick up. Um, I'm, again, I'm going to talk about a couple players at the end here that have really been struggling. So I think if, and they're pretty they're pretty important in our lineup. So, so – some feedback that I've gotten now that I've gotten the game recaps out of the way, some feedback I've gotten is to maybe add a couple stats of the day or just different, you know, different trends that's going on with the Cardinals right now. So, so there's a stat that I want to share. It's super cool. I'm going to, I'm going to read it and then kind of give you guys a second to, to really, to really let it settle in because it's absolutely mind blowing. So shout out to Derek Gould. He's one of the, he's one of the beat writers for the St. Louis post-dispatch in St. Louis He's one of the more prominent media media guys in St. Louis. He's been covering them forever. If you have a Twitter account, I highly recommend following him. He's, he's super uh, informative. He tweeted something the other day. Since Yachty's debut in 2004, the Cardinals have played 2,900 games on the dot. Now, this was yesterday that he tweeted this, so this could be you know 2,901 by now, but you get the point. Out of those 2,900 games that Yadier Molina has played for the Cardinals, we have been out of playoff contention for 24 of those games. 24 out of 2,900, almost 3,000 games. And we've been out of playoff contention for 24 of those. I mean, I don't even really know where to start with that. Again, it sounds absurd, but it's the truth. So I have been one of John Mazaloc's biggest um, I talk the most shit about him, I guess is the, is the easiest way to say it. He has a good track record with trades. I think lately they've been a little better. Obviously Goldschmidt, Arenado, those kind of trades have been good, but you look at some of his misses, you know, a couple years ago we traded for Marcelo Zuna and we traded Sandy Alcantara who is going to win the NL Cy Young this year for the Marlins. And we also traded a guy by the name of Zach Gallon, who the Marlins then traded to the Diamondbacks, who is was an all-star this year, probably will finish top three, top four in the NL Cy Young this year. We traded both of those players for one and a half crappy years of Marcelo Zuna. So you have a couple trades that you look back at and you're – you know, they they stump you. You're really puzzled as to why Zalak would make those deals. But a couple of his hits have really hit. So he's hit or miss. I think the thing that I complain the most about just about every July is his lack of urgency at the trade deadline. I think this year felt a little different. I really pushed for Juan Soto because, I mean, what baseball fan wouldn't want Juan Soto on their team? But looking back at the two trades he made, Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana, they both have been exactly what the Cardinals needed. So I'll eat my words on that. But you look at years past, Zalak does next to nothing at the trade deadline. He he is overconfident in our prospects. He's overconfident in the players that we have, which having a sense of trust in the front office is always a good thing. 
but also a little bit of a sense of urgency is also needed. So, you know, the Cardinals have been well-known across the league at producing quality major league talent, but you look at all these other teams that are constantly producing MVP-level players, and the Cardinals haven't had that in decades, decades since Albert Pujols. We haven't developed a superstar player. Um, I mean, you we thought we had that in Oscar Tavares. Obviously, that was an unfortunate ending to that. But other than that, the only high-pedigree prospect that I can think of is Dylan Carlson, and he hasn't even played the last two weeks. He's kind of shit the bed in, you know, lack of better terms. So Jordan Walker hopefully is going to change the script a little bit, but Mazalak really favors prospects when he shouldn't, I think is also another big thing that I, that I harp on. But wrapping this back all up to my original point, you look at that, that stat, 2,900 games, and we've only been out of the playoff contention race for 24 of them. So he does have a method to his madness. He, you know, we, we're in the playoffs every year. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of other organizations, if any, are like that. I mean, you look at the Astros, the Dodgers, the Yankees. They've kind of dominated the headlines the last handful of years. But there was a period of time in the mid-2000s where the Yankees were horrible, finishing in fourth, fifth place. Cardinals have never done that. You look, obviously, the Dodgers have won the division seven, eight years in a row. But before that, they were finishing in third, fourth, fifth place. Cardinals have never done that, at least in the last 20 years. The Astros, they are where they are now because they were absolutely horrible. They were a fifth-place team for five, six years at a time, and they were able to rack up all these draft picks, and they hit on almost all of them. So they were able to kind of build a to build a dynasty because of that, but the Cardinals have never had to do that. So we get very lucky. As much shit as I talk on John Mazalock, he obviously does help build a contending team every year. Do I still wish that he would kind of make that risky move that the Cardinals don't typically make to put us over the edge? Yes, but you look back at the second half that Juan Soto's having for the Padres, and he's not been good at almost at all for them. So um, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. But yeah, so that's that's the kind of the stat of the episode because it is it is just wild to think about. So a couple other trends that I wanted to go over are you know just some players that are cold, some players that are hot roster moves, things like that. So I know last episode I talked about the two September call-ups, the Deluzio guy. He's he's came in and pinch ran a, ran a couple times, which is kind of exactly what I pointed out last episode was the, the value that he was going to bring was just that, that late-inning um, pinch run type, which he did for Yachty. And actually, we were able to score a run in extra innings because of that last week. So if Yachty's on second base, he doesn't score. But the fact that Deluzio came in a pinch ran, we were able to score a run because of it. So he provides value that way. And then the other guy we called up was James Nail, who has only thrown or only appeared once, and he allowed four runs. So <laughs> don't expect to see him a lot in the future. The guy that I did talk about last last time was Alec Burleson. He's one of our top outfield hitting prospects. He is demolishing AAA. I discussed all this last, last episode. But I also talked about how they probably wouldn't bring him up. And two days later, I... They sure as hell brought him up. So, um, you know, Carlson getting hurt kind of prompted that move a little bit. Burleson hasn't been great. He's had nine at-bats. He only has one hit. His, his at-bats are good. He's he's drawing full counts, He, which is what he was known for in the minor leagues, was drawing full counts and, and working the count and things like that. 
Um, I think any rookie that comes up is obviously going to be a little gun shy. I think your first couple at bats, you want to you want to show that you're having a productive at bat before you just start free swinging at every fastball that you see. So I think that's the period Burleson's in. Hopefully he keeps getting starts. Well, actually, hopefully he doesn't keep getting starts because the only reason he is starting is because Lars Dubar wouldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat lately. The month of September, he is two for twenty-five. He He's not drawing walks. He's not hitting the ball hard. Hell, he's not hitting the ball at all. So he's gotten a couple off days over the weekend, plus we're off today. So I'm hoping a little – I'm sure he's been at the ballpark hitting every one of those days, even though he's not playing. So hopefully he can figure it out because um, everybody has seen what he's done since August 1st. I've talked about it numerous times. Newt Bar has been a wonderful part of our playoff um, roster projection so far. You know, he's helping us get to that point. So it would just it would just be sad to see him kind of cool off and not really be able to play much in October. You know, you, nobody would want that. So, and then the last couple things I want to talk about are Goldschmidt and Arenado. They've been again; they're going to finish one and two in MVP voting. They have carried us essentially to this point. So the fact that you know they've combined for nine of their last forty nine at bats, which equates to a batting average of one eighty four in their last twelve games. It's not good. You know, we've seen them come up numerous times with runners on scoring runners in scoring position or, you know, just even on first base, and they're just not able to do much with it. So it's 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 kind of disheartening a little bit. I'm, I'm hoping this is just a cold streak. I will say, though, Goldschmidt hasn't had a cold streak all freaking year. So you, typically in years past, he has a month or two where he kind of underperforms, and we haven't had that from really either player all year. So I guess if this if this is their time to do it, at least we're you know seven, eight, nine, nine games up in the division to where we have a little bit of a cushion. But the next two games against the Brewers are going to be playoff impacting impacting games because the Brewers are are right in the thick of the wild card race, so they're going to try to win every game they can. So if the Cardinals don't think that the Brewers are going to do everything they can to demolish those two games in a row, they're mistaken. So so I'm hoping Goldie and Arenado can really pick it up the next couple of weeks because really obviously getting into the playoffs is clearly the most important part, but it, even more than that, if you can go into the playoffs hot and, you know, winning eight of your last 10 or, you know, five of your last six or something going into the playoffs kind of hot, it gives you a severe, severe dramatic uh, advantage. So I'm hoping that's the case, um, but we'll see, you know, it's going to be an interesting week coming up. Like I said, just to reiterate, we have the Brewers, the next two games, and then we have a four-game set against the Reds. So I'm going to be gone this weekend at a bachelor party. I'm going to be watching all the games, obviously, and making notes. So you know, to fill up to fill up my podcast next time. I like I said this this episode I added you know a couple cool stats. Once I do the game recaps, I at the end I like to talk about you know player roster moves, who's hot, who's cold, things like that. So I'm hoping those little additions can help can help everybody as well. But just like I said every other episode. If anybody has any um, any comments or concerns or maybe a couple stats I got wrong, I didn't. But if you know any comments, please let me know, and and we can go from there. I cussed a little more this episode. I apologize, but that's just kind of the way I talk. I I held back a little bit the last couple episodes, but I'm just gonna let it let it rip going forward. So hopefully you guys don't care. And I had about 15 people reach out to me after the last couple episodes saying I click my pen way too much. So I purposely put all my pins in my drawer while I'm recording this episode. So uh, I'm working on that as well. They also said I say, you know, and um a lot. 
I'm kind of working on that. So we will see. Well, I just said so. So, <laughs> so I'm working on those. Um, please keep the comments coming. Hopefully you guys are still getting some stuff out of this. Whether you do or not, I'm still going to be making them because I love talking about the Cardinals. So, so please send me any questions, things I can add to my podcast, and uh, so I can keep improving. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So I will see you guys next week. Peace.